Hi there, and welcome to my second episode of Coding with Holger. First of all, um, sorry for the delay, and also I hope you had all a really, really nice festive season so far, and I'm sure you're already about to plan and um, organize everything for getting into the new year, so um, I highly appreciate your time. And uh, yeah, so today uh, it's all about telling you what is it what I'm talking about in the in the future episodes? Uh, so what is it when I say back-end, front-end? What is the server? What's communication? So just uh, essentially building the foundation for uh, all the information and shows hopefully coming up. And so let's dive directly in. And so yeah, so uh, classically we talk about back-ends and front-ends um, in order to explain this I try to how to say it uh, I I will take a f online food delivery service as an example uh, because it has loads of little cocks uh, working with each other to get the whole machinery working and let's see if this is working out. Um, so yes, yeah, so I'm not sure if you ever used one, one of these services, um, but essentially how it usually works is you go on a website, um, whatever your favorite delivery service is. Uh, so this website, it's either a website or an app. Um, so website and app are both examples of front-ends. Um, so they are called front-end because this is what you see when you look at the service. Um, like if you go out and shop uh, in, in physical shops, um, so the front-end would be like uh, what you can see in the outlets behind the windows. In this case, it's a website or a, a native or web-based um, application running on your favorite mobile device. And you go there, you, you browse through the available delivery shops. And once you decided with what shop you want to go with, uh, you get presented a menu. Uh, you select off the menu what you fancy, you order it and you click send. Um, although there were already loads and loads of information going back and forth, uh, for the sake of argument, let's say this is what you do on the front end. So once you have everything collect, uh, once you have put everything into the uh, shopping basket and you finish the order by providing all the needed information like uh, your address, your name, uh, some contact details, you send the information to the back end. Um, the back end is very abstractly spoken. Uh, the server running in the background. Um, so essentially it's uh, one or more services which are consumed by the front-end. In this case, it's the front-end sending data to the back-end. Uh, the back-end then um, processes the order. And uh, this means that it uh, checks that all the information it needs is in there. Um, which is hopefully done on the front end side as well. But in this case, it's also checked on the back end because there's this old saying, never trust in user input. Uh, you never know what happened in between the actual client, so the front end and your back end servers. So uh, this is checked on there. And uh, if everything is in order, so all the information is there, you need to process an order. The order processing starts to happen. Um, 
one of the first things which might be done is payment processing. So this is then again the backend talking to another backend um, or another server where all the payment information you provided uh, during checkout uh, to the service and the payment is taken from your card or whatever payment methods you use um, if you pay upfront and then the backend gets information back if the payment was done or not and then the backend also notifies the actual takeout delivery um, shop so uh, someone has to prepare the food and bring it to you right so um, with this uh, notification um, so it's it's done in different ways so some still get faxes uh, some get emails but uh, there are also solutions where the the delivery shop is or the takeout is actually using another front end which is also connected to our back end but it's either a different view they get or a complete different front end which shows that back end and front end should be uh, loosely coupled so uh, what we try in on my usual days when I, when I work on code is to uh, communicate via different means of uh, channels and protocols. It's usually it's HTTP, HTTPS is what you know from when you type into the browser and uh, then you work against a so-called contractor interface which is an API. You might have heard this um, and uh, before, uh, so essentially the, the front end uses a defined interface or sort of contract uh, where it knows uh, what, for example, what kind of information is needed for an order and uh, the back end then accepts this data uh, in the way the contract uh, well, demands it and then um, checks the input against this uh, contract again and um, processes that uh, well the process then goes on um, okay but going back to our example so the 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 takeout delivery uh, shop is then hopefully accepting the order uh, via the front end they use um, so if it is an email they click on a link if it is some kind of web application or again mobile application they have a little button saying yes no and they usually have the option to also give an estimate on how long delivery might take. So you usually get a estimate when you order, but the uh, the restaurant might just well need more time, or they know it's not that much what they or it's not that much they have to prepare, so they can be a bit faster than usual. Um, so this information then again goes back to our backend um, against a, another interface and um, with this acceptance notifications will go back to you as the one who ordered food and uh, sitting at home waiting for some some nicely freshly prepared dishes and this again can go through different channels it might be email it might be a notification on your app uh, either in web or on your mobile phone um, and also uh, yeah, 
there are other things like update notifications on when what what kind of state your order is in right now. So some some delivery shops even give you information about what the process of your of meal preparation actually is, and then you get the same thing. So um, backend is always in the middle, is kind of. Um, juggling all the information around, makes sure that everything is in order, uh, usually persists things um, like your order details, your payment details, so that the, the delivery company or the the the, uh, the, the, food, the, the online food order company then um, can actually get their money and, and wire the money for the, for the restaurant as well from it. Um, and all these things need to be done nicely. Uh, so you usually persist it in databases. Uh, we will talk about databases in, in, in another episode. But uh, yeah, so essentially uh, backend is, 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 is like uh, orchestrator. And then the front ends, they are catering the needs of whoever user you want to give the opportunity to interact with your actual application or service. Uh, so if you order you, uh, the, the front end, so the web, uh, web application or the mobile application is written in the way that it's easy for you as a customer to select things um, in order to be able to see what is on, on offer, what shops are open, what shops might open in the future uh, today or, or later today, um, what are delivery costs, uh, all these things. Um, this information is also stored on the back end side and requested from the front end when you essentially select or search for different kinds of information. Um, the front end doesn't need to be necessarily something you see, so it doesn't need to be a web application or a um, a mobile app or whatever. Um, it might just be a, a REST interface. Um, so REST is one of the funky things we use nowadays because it's really nicely um it is easy to use it because it maps nicely on http so http is what you use when you use your browser and rest uses the the pro or maps nicely on the protocol um so essentially it's it's resource centric a resource is something you want to deal with in this case you have an order you want to deal with or you uh, which you want to make for example or which you want to have an update on uh, but it can also be uh, a payment it can be uh yeah as I, as I said like the the acceptance uh, feedback from the delivery shop um, which is then used um, and the, it's possible to have rest as a front end for say other technical users um, this might be another backend service for ex uh, in our example this would be that our backend service talks to the payment processor uh, of choice uh, which is not done via any kind of web browser uh, it's done directly machine to machine where uh, things like rest are quite nicely usable um, yeah so also it, it doesn't need to be immediate uh, or the back and front end communication doesn't need to be one-to-one -one. so for example if you placed your order you got everything everything's fine um, sometime after your food got delivered you will very likely get emails with um like links to review 
pages or your app might ask you uh, about your experience with the delivery you might get some kind of loyalty points and all this so this is also done from or initiated from the backend side so the backend then is not triggered by, by anything but time um, or postponed responses to your order um, and the communication then again doesn't need to be via a specific front end it can be completely asynchronous like uh, using emails where you just get an email with thank you for your order um, how was it uh, place a review you might want to win something whatever um, so all this is uh, very very abstract on a very very high level when you look at it um, how is it done so it's usually yeah there are different different languages out there uh, there are different opinions on it but what you see nowadays is that thankfully uh, the web lives with uh, HTML CSS and JavaScript um, personally I'm still not very well good in JavaScript and I don't necessarily like it but uh, the nice thing is that it is supported by all browsers um, and so is HTML and CSS so HTML is the the actual description and content uh, or the actual content you see um, in a structured way and CSS is giving the the nice looks so it, it defines the how things should look where things should be placed or appear on the page um, it's essentially like colors font um, sizes or the actual font um, and uh, headers which stick to the top or footers which stay on on the bottom of the screen so all these things are usually done nowadays in CSS and JavaScript makes it uh, responsive and usable so this is why it feels more and more like a native application so uh, native applications like word excel um, things like these office suite tools uh, they are well up to now still um, native applications written for the operating system you're currently using so um, windows mac os linux and um, if you use a browser it's snappy it's really really nicely well it interacts you have like um, effects from one page to the other so it feels very native but it is running in the browser in a portable way portable means in this case that you do not have to target a specific hardware or a specific operating system because your operating system is your browser essentially so front-end is nowadays done usually in as I said HTML CSS JavaScript um, and TypeScript which is uh, also nice because you get some type safety um, but you it compiles down to JavaScript um, I will talk a bit about types and typing and loosely and strongly typed later right on the back end side there is also quite a huge zoo of different kinds of platforms languages so um, we have uh, loosely typed um, programming languages like Python like PHP um, JavaScript nowadays as well um, with node or the node framework um, and then you have stronger typed uh, platforms or languages like uh, Java and the JVM um, the JVM is the the actual thing executing the code you you, you program in Java um, and you have different 
languages which also you run on the JVM, like Kotlin, for example, um, or uh, other examples of platforms and languages is .NET with uh, C Sharp, for example, and ASP.NET. Um, so these are the bigger players nowadays. Myself, I'm usually using Java nowadays, more Kotlin when it is possible, because it is, for me, it's the better Java. And it still runs on the JVM, which makes it easy because loads and loads of companies do use the JVM because they they have uh, Java applications um, in their infrastructure anyways. Um, so um, I was talking about typed and strongly typed and loosely typed things. What is this about? Um, essentially, the computer on the lowest level um, understands zeros and ones. Um, and this is how in what well, slightly more abstract but still very low level um how things were done at the very beginning so at the very very beginning we had like uh, punch cards which were interpreted so you had a where a, a punch hole was was uh, a one otherwise you had, you had a zero and um this way you were able to to process or execute programs by just putting in punch cards um nowadays our well, next step was assembler which was very very low level um so you had to to be very um specific on uh, what kind of processor it was possible uh, it was able to run on because the it was like today where x86 and x8664 um like your normal intel or amd processor are the the norm nowadays um, or arm nowadays as well arm um, back then you had loads and lots of different platforms lots and lots of different chipsets um, or chips and they all had specific benefits so pros and cons and assembler was always specific to a specific processor or processor platform um, so once we moved on and we got more into um, the what we call nowadays PC or laptops so our x86 platforms um, higher level programming languages evolved and uh, higher level means that they uh, sometimes they do read or they do look like English written text and this then gets translated into um, the the actual thing running on your computer, yeah, right? So your computer still has no clue about what a English word is. Uh, it still does only understand zeros and ones on the very low level. Um, so you need something which compiles. Compiling in this case means that it translates from what you've written in your, uh, in, in your source code uh, into some kind of thing which is understandable by your underlying platform like your processor so in this case x86 so it runs on intel and um, amd processors right so this high level uh, languages then came around with different ways of dealing with things so you have functional programming you have uh, object oriented programming and um, everything is about um, you, you always deal with data um, whatever kind of data you do but it will always be some kind of input uh, which is then processed and then afterwards you get some kind of result out of it um, and the input uh, is depending on your use case different so you might have a set of characters you might have just 
always numbers you might have a special or a specific kind of numbers um, like decimals or um, um, other coins and this means that uh, so the, these are essentially what, what I mean with types um, if you have a loosely typed language like PHP or Python uh, what they do is um, variables essentially the the memory areas you keep your data in um, do not have a specific type so you can save whatever you want in it uh, it can be just a sequence of characters numbers it can be just numbers it can be completely empty um, and the programming language doesn't care uh, and once you get to the point where you process the data so you want to say you you expect a a value in a variable to be a number because this is what the the amount of say to stick with the with the example the the number of uh, mains you ordered um, and you want to do some mathematic with it like uh, you want to uh, multiply it by the 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 uh, the price of the actual food um, and you do have not the the numeric value 2 in it but you do have the word 2 in it it might fail um, the programming or the program will run fine up to this point um, but once you do it it will just crash whereas if you do it in so you have well you, you can work around with it and this is what you what you do when you use it you have to make sure that the the value you have in as an input is what you expect it to be so you have additional checks on it um, to make sure that if you in this case need a number you will have a number in it um, on the other end of the spectrum you do have strongly typed uh, or typed languages like Java um, here you have to define what kind of data your variable will hold so if you expect the number of mains to be a number, um, so an integer, you will say it is of type integer. And whenever you try to store or put anything else in it, you will get a um, so-called exception, or to, to phrase it easier, a error. And um, this makes it a bit easier because the program is less error prone um, with less effort to make it secure or to make it less error prone so you do not have to code it every time yourself um, what what does strong or loosely type mean um, so it, let's stick with the example of number of mains um, or of the of the specific main menu uh, or main food and uh, so the moment you send the order from your front end so from your web app to the server to the back end um, it has a type so then if there is a number in it it will have the type int and if there is a uh, three letter word saying two two in it it will be of type string um, or area of characters and this is true for both ways so strongly or loosely typed uh, strongly typed uh, you won't be able to put anything else in but a number if you have a loosely typed um, the type is inferred 
during runtime. So if you so a variable always has a type, um, it is either void because it doesn't have anything in it, um, or it is a number because it has the digit two in it, or it is a string because it is uh, it does contain the three letters T W O. Um, so this is why it is not completely typeless but loosely typed because the type is inferred every time you use the variable and then it depends on what is actually in it. Um, what you use is actually up to you. Um, there are strong opinions about using loosely typed languages because you can take some shortcuts. Uh, there are strong arguments towards um, strictly typed or hardly typed, uh, no, strictly typed languages because they support you in during development. Um, so you, you do get more support from your language. You can um, well concentrate on the business logic you want to implement rather than making sure that the data is what you expected or what you need it to be. Um, it's absolutely up to you. Uh, for me, I just realized lately that I do have a strong preference towards strongly typed languages um, because it's it's really easier to work with for me. It might be different for you. So um, go around, just check it. Um, and you will have, if, if you go full stack, which is something I hope to explore with um, a good acquaintance of mine, uh, later uh, or in, in another episode, uh, FullStack means you work is, or you implement essentially backend and frontend at the same time, um, and you do work on the frontend part of it. You will use JavaScript, anyways, very likely, um, or TypeScript, which is essentially a superset of JavaScript because it does give you uh, on during coding time or development time, you do get types. Um, but because JavaScript doesn't know strongly uh, strong types, so it's always loosely typed. Um, TypeScript also gives you the opportunity to just use um, pure JavaScript, but it gives you the support of types. And this is, I think, why this language will be more and more adapted um, for front-end development anyways. Um, because you do have this nice little mixture and it's up to you how far you want to drive it and um, how much you want to benefit from the types and then during runtime which is the, the the moment your application actually is in use it will be javascript so it will be loosely typed um and uh so you will have the experience of loosely type of loose types anyways and uh, the, i also understand the, the thinking behind using javascript on the back end because uh, if you are um, comfortable with JavaScript in front end, so you do know the language, why not using it on the back end as well. Um, other languages like Java, for example, they did try to provide the same thing. So in Java, the, the initial promise was to, uh, well, the main slogan was write runs, run everywhere which isn't quite right, which is something JavaScript actually gives you more or less because it runs in all browsers on all platforms because oh, on all platforms where you get a browser for. Um, Java um, tried to do this via the uh, the JVM, what I, what I mentioned before, 
a couple of times, which stands for Java Virtual Machine, which is a bit of code or bit of application, which is platform specific. So you do get um, the JVM for Windows 32 or 64 bit, you do get it for Mac OS 32 or 64 bit and the same for Linux. Um, well, 32 bit more or less, not anymore, but it is specific for your platform for your operating system for the um, for the chipset you use and uh, then your Java code gets executed on it in a pre-compiled or yeah kind of special format so if you write Java and you compile it it compiles into so-called so-called bytecode which is then executed by the JVM so um, it's already optimized for running on the JVM but the actual execution happens in the JVM um, and Java tried with different frameworks and different um, specs to also provide say fat clients so um, actual applications running on your machine physically so not on the browser but dedicated um, so they did try it with with swing with um, I forgot the other one but uh, the current approach is Java FX but it is still it still feels clunky and it still feels really slow and it's it's still it, it doesn't fit into the the uh, the overall look and feel of your operating system of choice if you run Linux it will always look or so far it always looked like a Java application so really really um, dated usually gray it's not not that nice and um, same for macOS or, or Windows and um, so it never really took off um, there was even a uh, experiment is a wrong word because they did roll it out um, into production so-called applets which were killed thankfully which um, were Java applications running in your or via your browser but still requiring a JVM being installed on your machine so you always had this kind of you had to have something additionally installed on your machine and this is why I think um, we don't see Java really taking off in the in the client space but it's still very very uh, widely spread and very reliable when it comes to server applications. Um, you find loads and loads of Java applica um, Java developers, is the word, um, like me, and uh, loads and loads of companies are still trusting into Java. So it is a good way of using of of what well, it, it is a good language to dive in if you are more comfortable on on windows and you don't mind that your stuff only runs on windows or mainly runs on windows so there are some changes coming up um .net might be something you want to look into um c c sharp was a language created to um take all the good things from c++ and java and make it nicer and easier to develop on windows and um, I'm still not a big fan of running any kind of internet services on a Windows server or Windows machine. Um, but if you're more comfortable or if your company uses it or um, you want to dive into the businesses, or, which are usually really, really big companies 
which are using Windows servers, um, feel free to look into .NET. Um, and last but not least, there are some approaches where you might still use the same language, which might not be the one running or executing in, on your client side, but um, it is easier for you because you, you don't have to switch languages. Um, so for example, if we take Kotlin, which is a quite nice um, language running on the JVM, or initially were pardon, um, on running on the JVM, um, created by JetBrains. They do have different targets, I think is what they, what they call it. So you might want to target the JVM. So it will, in the end of the day, it will be a JVM compatible application you can run on any JVM installed, which is um, or in a, um, say, application container. So I, I will have another episode about Java technologies later on, but just take it for now. Um, so there are things called application servers, um, running services on the backend or for the backend on the server. And, um, but it also gives you uh, the option to compile into native applications or into JavaScript. And this is the interesting bit where you do have on the code base, in your code base, you would still write Kotlin, but in it compiles into JavaScript, which is slightly different to approaches like, uh, or to approaches where uh, from from frameworks like GW2T, which was uh, initially named after, uh, well, it stands for Google Web Toolkit because it came from Google, but it's now completely open sourced and Google stopped supporting it or, or developing it in the first place. And GWT was a um, Java framework which was giving you some uh, constructs to express what you want to have on the front end and then using its own framework to, or its own uh, components to uh, which uh, what JavaScript or written in JavaScript or compiled into JavaScript. Uh, whereas um, the approach Kotlin takes nowadays, and I'm pretty sure there are other languages as well doing it, is that you do write in Kotlin, but it compiles into JavaScript. So it's not um, Kotlin JS in, or, or Kotlin as a framework in, in providing, providing you some kind of modules for um, doing things in the browser. It is compiling into JavaScript, so you can use whatever framework you want, um, say Angular or React. Um, and um, this in the comfort of using a really, really nice language. Um, I'm sorry for all the JavaScript developers listening in. Um, I know you love your language. Um, I still need to get warm with it. I still don't like it, but this might change. Um, but yeah. Um, so this is essentially the the the, the quick roundup. Um, so front end is what whatever is used by some kind of user or customer. It might be visual, which is uh, for example a web application running in your browser or a mobile application. Um, you do have back end or back ends, um, which are well services running on the back end uh, on servers, um, usually only used by technical. Um, 
de via technical details, uh, orchestrating and, and juggling data from one end to the other, making sure things are persisted as they are needed, and um, all the other processes which are needed to fulfill a program's um, use or use or providing the use cases um, are done properly and also communicating back to the same front end or other front ends. Uh, so you can have multiple front ends, um, you can have multiple back ends um, if you uh, provide different services or if you have different different service levels, for example. So there are different ways of, of um, skinning the cat here. And yeah, so this is more or less back end front end and hopefully not too confusing way to, to explain it. I hope you're not too hungry after the, the uh, online food order example. And I hope I see you back for one of the next episodes. Um, I promise it won't be that long between the episodes this time. And I'm also looking forward to your feedback. Um, and with this, I wish you all a very happy new year. Have a really, really great start into 2020. And see you on the other side. Thanks, guys.